Good evening, afternoon, morning, whatever applies to you, and welcome to EuroLeague. Today, as always, I'm joined by Kira, of course, uh, who's kindly decided to move away from the what she sees camera pov, uh, which <laughs> I'm sure is to the distress of our legion of female viewers who definitely do watch this show. Uh, we're also joined by the head coach of MAD, Mr. Mac, who I will play to. Do. Huh? Coach of the split. Coach of the split, yeah, very good. Give it where it's due. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting, by the way. I was going to say, interesting how they changed that. They're like, you know what? We can't possibly claim to know what actually goes on behind the scenes with coaching. So what we're actually going to do is make the award just even more vague. So now it's just coaching staff of the split. Like, holy moly. But yeah, we are joined by Mac, who I will pledge to right now that we will not make more than, let's say, four jokes about not winning a single best of five this year so right before we get started though what i would say is obviously as kira knows we have to do my patented would you rather uh which today i've actually got a bit creative okay this is this is fully from the laboratory of my weird brain so the question is there are two buttons okay the buttons are win worlds go to worlds it doesn't matter whatever your goal is whatever your aspiration is there's a button you need to press okay now would you rather have to fully stretch your arm out for a gap in the wall like think of like temple of doom okay indiana jones temple of doom with like spiders centipedes locusts or whatever so you stick your arm through this hole fully extended with all these little bastards crawling over you locusts mantises whatever they're all harmless but you know still a bit gross to press this button or would you rather have to win a BO5 in League? No, I'm joking. Or would you rather have to swim across a 25-meter swimming pool of sewage, but you have a mask on? So, you know, you're not going to get typhoid or something. So either hand through a wall filled with the most horrible, heinous, ugly-looking fuckers, spiders, whatever, all harmless but still horrendous, or swim through 25 meters of pure sewage, but you've got, you know, a nice bio mask on, so you're not going to die when you do it. What are you taking, Kira? Hit me. This is awful. This is just the most awful. Like, they, because they're not like that, I can just not look, stick my arm in and press the button, yeah? And then just pull my arm back out quickly yeah, as but possible, you, Okay, yeah? but the, obviously the implication is because you have to fully extend it. It's not some super quick thing. Again, think that scene, Temple of Doom, you have to go... Oh fuck! I'm doing the I'm doing the arm. Twenty five meters is a fucking long way through sewage. Let me tell you. Let me tell you that. And like, that's a fucking that's a swim. That's an actual swim. Oh, and you can't even get a dive start. Cause think about it. If you go for the dive start, it's like fucking full submerged. Turn all your eyes if you've not got goggles on. Do you have to. Arm. Do you have to actually submerge yourself? No, no. You got. You've no, got I'm the saying if you try. If you try and do a dive start to get like a get your speed going, then you're like fucked. Cause you're oh that's awful. No, hundred percent arm extension, press the button. You don't even need to look inside. You could, you could they could be couch feathers for all you know. All right, so you're taking uh, the Templar Doom. All right, what about you, Mac? What are you going? You have for? to submerge yourself in the sewage. You don't. No, you could do breaststroke and keep your head above the water. You know, it's how <laughs> whatever your strong strongest suit is. You know. I mean. I really don't like insects. I really don't like insects. <laughs> um, the sewage thing is a bit disgusting, though. I think I'd probably rather... Do, as long as they're all harmless, I'd definitely rather do the insect thing. Interesting. Temple of Doom. 
See, I'm doing the swim. I'm 100% doing the swim without a shadow of a doubt. I think once I'm once I know that, you know, I'm completely safe and sterile because I'm wearing my super mask or whatever. It's whatever. At that point, I'm just swimming through. Yeah. Gunk. Close my eyes. Paddle in the right direction. But the creepy crawlies over. No, I can't. I can't. And I would say, right, after this show, go back and watch that scene in Temple of Doom, man. That's fucking... I don't care if you can't see, Kira. That's fucking horrendous now. I'm taking the sewage all day, every day. I mean, the thing is, you're, you've worked in esports management, so you're used to swimming through rivers of shit. That Not bad. is very Not bad. true. There we go. I'm there also go. constantly surrounded by insects and parasites. So, you know, yeah, experience both in a way. Uh, which is worse, I can't really say. Usually I find they actually overlap. So you guys are just lucky I didn't say a pool of sewage with said insects. Um, but anyway, moving swiftly on. Good to know where you guys land on that. Uh, we're going to start with last week's games. And what better place to start than obviously Mad versus Fnatic. Uh, didn't go your way, of course. But why, Mac? That's what I want to know. I want to know what you think went wrong in this series or what wasn't as it should have been or didn't go to your expectations, let's say. Because, you know, I, think, I assume most people, when they go into a series, they go in thinking not only they can win, but they will win. So what, what wasn't as it should have been in your eyes? Uh, let's think. So I think on current patch, blue side is pretty heavily weighted, uh, like really heavily favored because you can pinch... Um, most likely bot lane because the meta is really heavy bot lane centric right now. So you can usually pinch bot lane to make sure that you get the matchup you want, right? Like you can make sure that you get the Lucian Nami side, or you can make sure that like Lulu is gone if you want, or you can make sure that Sivir is gone if you want. You can make sure that you like pinch opponents to not give you a good Yumi angle. You can make sure that you play the Zeri Lulu side if you want, right? Like whichever is the best bot lane for the series for you in that game, you can pick what it is and you can play it to your opponents on blue. So I think that blue is pretty heavily weighted on this patch. Um, and we lost our first blue side game, and that makes the series really difficult. Um, we, we lost our third blue side game as well, um, but I think after losing the first blue side game, the series becomes much, much, much harder, and the first blue side game was uh, lost. I will not say lost, but it was really heavily disadvantaged from pretty early on. Um, yeah. The bot lane matchup didn't go how we wanted it to go and then we thought that trundle was coming bot to dive bot so we were covering dive bot and playing for that because we didn't have any early evision which was our mistake um and then trundle killed top which is our like pressure matchup like bot lane matchup supposed to be like slightly losing nocturne into victor is uh kind of getting smacked we hadn't played that matchup before actually um and then kenan was supposed to be our pressure lane and he got behind early and dove and then it was really really rough so that was 20 minutes stomp um so i say that was the big first thing and like losing i mean that's why we lost that first game right but uh losing the first blue side game is is hard because you then um <clears throat> presumably you have like two more blue side games um and then you have to win one red side game and the red side games the red side drafts are really hard right now um and Fnatic did a really good pinch on blue um where they pinched Callista. like last ban they banned lucian to make sure that we could either give them... Uh, so Yumi and Callista are up, right? So if we ban Callista, then they just first pick Yumi, and there's no good answers to Yumi anymore. And if you don't ban anything, then uh, they first pick the Callista, right? I think in that game, we counter-pinched jungle. We banned Poppy Trundle, so that you can get the S-tier jungler, which in that game was Vi, if I remember correctly. Um, 
So that's the trade trade off that we made, right? We got Vi Renata, they got Silas Sejuani, and we ended up playing Cassiopeia into Silas Callista, which should theoretically be pretty good for Cassio because it's two short range carries. Um, so that was the like the kind of poison that we picked on red side, right? But you have to do a lot of like gymnastics on red side, right? Um, and it's not in your control in order to make the draft work. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, that's like the kind of theoretical analysis from like a execution standpoint. Fnatic were just way better on the day. Um, they had a big, big advantage over us in terms of they executed a lot of really good early bot dives that we either didn't play around correctly, didn't manage wave correctly, didn't cover correctly, right? Um, and once their bot lane got ahead, the games got really, really difficult. Did you have a, a specific reason for why you were heavily factoring in the Yumi? Because, I mean, based on stage evidence, I think in playoffs, Fnatic basically didn't play Yumi, right? Like, it seemed like... I don't think they played it at all in the Misfits series. They didn't play it in... Like, XL were actually kind of abusing the fact almost that they could always get the Yumi if it wasn't banned in their series. So was there a particular reason why you felt that you were somewhat restricted by the fact that Yumi was in contention? Um, so I think, first of all, you should... Like, in a best of five, you should try and make your opponent show. But, I mean, I think Hillisang has been a good Yumi in the past, right? Like, I think pretty much everyone is capable of playing Yumi. Sure, yeah. um, Not Mickey X. Well, also true. Ouch. Um, I'm going to fuck. But, yeah. So, there's that. Um, and I think that we... I mean, in, in the draft that we chose Yumi, we preferred the Yumi side, right? Like, we first picked the Yumi twice. And our read was that uh, the matchups that we got were favorable for us, right? I think the first one was Yumi Nyla, which is potentially the most debatable. There's the least info on Yumi Nyla. Um, there's only it's only been played in Solution Nami what like three, two or three times competitively, um, yep. so hard to say. But our read was that it's like at least 50-50, um, or maybe slightly losing in lane. But then obviously you have XP sharing with Nyla Yumi, and suddenly a Yumi is level eight to uh nami's level six like that happens pretty reliably as long as you can 50 50 the lane because the way that nyla xp sharing works is that you only get the bonus xp if the adc last hits the creeps uh if they just die around you you don't share xp correctly uh or you don't get the bonus xp sharing that nyla gives you uh which is 50 percent of all the xp that is normally lost to sharing which is really complicated to calculate so it, work, um, it works out like 175.25 like it's like a 150 percent like increase yeah it works out a lot. Yeah, it works out. At oh, no, it's year. like 225% then, isn't it? Uh, I don't think it's that much. Um, no, it can't be that much, yeah. We did the math at some point. It's not as much as solo lane XP, but it's not far off. Um, and if your Yumi Nyla stays in... Like, the thing is, is with a, like with a lot of Yumi Nyla lanes, like, it's a lane uh -huh. that has, like, really, really good push and really good sustain and actually decent harass now that sustain has been nerfed and that Yumi Q deals decent damage because of Scorch buffs and all this stuff. So if you can basically sit your opponent in lane forever with Yumi Nyla and never let them leave and just perma push waves and like Nyla slaps, like happy slaps the waves till they die and you just sit there for like 10 minutes. If you can do that, you can out level solo laners because they actually have to like base and move on the map sometimes. Um, so if you can play that way, then you kind of out level solo lanes sometimes, but typically it's less XP than solo lanes. Before, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, before I uh, throw this over to you, uh, Kira, I just want to quickly ask you, Mac, do you, do you think there's something inherently wrong with the map balance that in so many metas, blue side just seems to have like a really high win or a disproportionately high win rate? Like, do you think there's just something wrong with like how the objectives or where the objectives are placed that mean that this is always going to be an issue? Or do you, do, do you just think it's like a coincidental patch thing? So I think the way that the draft works means that competitively it's 
just much harder on red. On red, like blue side gives you the ability, like in a competitive draft, you always have to trade champions, right? So you have to say, if enemy first picks X, we will we will one two Y. And the thing is, is the blue side gets to choose their side of the trade, right? There are many drafts that are like kind of 50-50 drafts in theory, but blue side gets to choose the side that their players are better on, right? So for example, in game one versus XL, like I don't know if they play Yumi Nyla, but if you assume they do, then, or even if you assume they don't, right, then we have the cho choice of choosing Yumi Nyla into Lucian Nami, or we have the choice of choosing Lucian Nami into presumably Lulu something or uh, Yumi Nyla, right? Yeah. Um, and you can choose which side is, is better for you and which side you are better at. And I think that's a big advantage because um, you get to choose which side of the trade you're on. Um, the other thing, which is kind of curious and I don't really have a clear answer for, but even in solo queue, blue side has a higher win rate. It's mm. like marginally, it's like 51 or 52%, I think, to 48. Um, and I think that can be for a few reasons. It can be where objectives are. It can be a low ground advantage, which is really wonky um, and maybe favors mm. blue side in some scenarios. I don't know. Um, and it can also actually be that people actually aim better going up right than they do going down left. Um, that's a possibility. I've heard people say that. I don't know if it's true or not. But Blue Side just generally is a lot stronger. So I, I don't really know what the answer is um, for the draft. I think that's really hard to balance out because it's not like a. I wouldn't say it's a technical reason. That's because of like the the ban system or anything like that. It's just because of that's the way that like humans work, right? You have a side of the matchup that you're better at, and you get to pick that side of the matchup. Hmm. So someone uh, on Twitter said came up with an interesting theory to me on this, which is kind of like what you said, which is that he thinks that Westerners specifically, this is where he lost me because I think this that if you actually extend the logic of this out, it doesn't work. But he said Westerners find it easier reading left to right, so it's easier to play from blue side <laughs> because you're always sort of moving in that direction. But the Eastern, you know, players don't suffer as much because obviously, you know, they read books uh, or can read certain books like right to left. So you know, it's just easier playing on red side, isn't it? Not sure about that one, but. I do think maybe it's intrinsically easier for our brains to process the idea of like, even if you just think of like how platformers work, for example, it's almost always sort of working from left to right. And the idea of like firing a projectile or something from left to right, I do think that maybe is a bit more intuitive, but who knows? Uh, anyway, Kira, what what do you think? Where where do you think Mad fell, fell short in this series? Why, why couldn't they beat Fnatic? Well, I did use that, like, ask, like, Mac, like, I pick Mac's head on, like, a series of questions. Like, what do you think, like, were the best, when you picked Nocturne, what do you think, like, the best outcome was, like, that, like, you could have gotten? You know what I mean? Obviously, like, they fucking, like, misclick a champion and champ select and end up playing some dog shit. But, like, what was, like, to, like, your best hypothetical? Like, what were you thinking in their head you were going to pick, they were going to pick up? Mm, so, what was banned that game? I think we banned Orn LeBlanc in second round, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, um, they had a, Azir, LeBlanc were banned, and then Silas and Talia were banned. Yeah. Um, typically, most teams would go for Ari there. Um, mm -hmm. Probably should have seen the victor coming from Mr. Brazda, to be fair. Yeah, that's what um, I was thinking. But, yeah. I mean, like, the Nocturne, you're not, you're not really picking it for lane matchup, because at the moment the champ, like, you buy tier, you press Q on the wave, you spam your passive, you AoE the wave, you base when you need to, you TP back to lane. Like you can 50-50 the most lanes or go like slightly losing in most lanes. But then later when Lucian dashes forward, which he has to to deal damage because he has 500 range, you press R on him with Nocturne. Um, okay. And 
when like, you press R with Nocturne, Kennen flashes in, and then it looks really ugly, right? The combo when it's done well is really, really, really strong. Yeah, yeah like I've, uh, they've executed on this combo in the LPL quite a lot. Like uh, I've seen it like work as really nasty, particularly into like things like the Lucian that's very, very short range, and the Nami that's always next next door to the Lucian with, with the Kennen, but. One of the things I was kind of like, not a little bit strange about, like, how much stock did you put in? Did you, like, see when XL lost with the Nyla with the shield break on Renekton for Nalia? Were you, like, aware of that? Like, did you, like, that was, like, a known thing you just didn't, like, care about. Like, you didn't think it was worth a ban. Because, like, Nalia is so short-ranged, then with the Yumi on her and then her own shield from Apotheosis, like, that's how she, like, jumps into the fight and, like, stat checks you. But against Renekton, that just all disappears. You mean her W buff disappears? Yeah, like, Renekton, whenever he, like, uses his stun, that shield breaks, it removes all the shields, regardless of the size, doesn't it? Her W isn't a shield. Well, our shield, our R is our shield, apotheosis, isn't it? Like, she pulls in people like an Oriana shockwave, and she yeah, shields... That, that doesn't make her tanky. Yeah, that doesn't really make her tanky. Uh, the thing that makes her tanky is the W, because you dodge all auto-attacks and you reduce magic damage by 20%. That's the reason she's tanky. And you also get a percentage of healing from your Q damage on champions. Um, that, that's what every single time I was what well, apart from Mickey X also not being on him. That was like one of the big downfalls when I was watching it with XL and with Patrick. Where like the Renekton would just you, she looked like she was just about to like get to the point where she just stat checks the full fight, and then Renekton would just like stun her and she would just die. And maybe that was like a misplay of like from like Patrick, but I don't see like an, another version of the fight where like Nalia like wins without doing that. If you get my point. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, she, she needs to stat check, right? Like, you're right on that. I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't, right? In the comp that we played her, she's kind of just a carrier for Yumi. And yeah, she yeah, doesn't really true. need to survive the fight because, in theory, like, she is just engaged and Lucian dies. She doesn't become a carry until three items, right? Three items, she actually has a shit ton of damage, but she has a big damage trough between one to three items. Mm -hmm. um, there are lots of different ways to play her, right? You can also play her like a, a Samira where she jumps in at the end of the fight when people don't have cooldowns. Um, for the Patrick Mickey X scenario, I don't remember those team fights specifically, um, but I don't think Renekton's really a problem for her per se. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong. I could have just completely misread it, but I don't think it's a, a massive problem for her more than any other like bruises. No, fair enough then. Uh, the other thing I was like found like quite like quite weird is when I was watching like the games, and you, you I know you were talking about it there where you obviously you missed the ward and then you try and like match bot lane. Um, against Fnatic, were you like aware that like quite how much like Fnatic would be like favoring just like bot side plays like all the time, like almost like like all, all the time? But I was never, I always got the feeling like I think it was the Aphelios, oh fucking uh, the Aphelios yeah. game, yeah, the Aphelios that game. I felt like Ka like Kaiser kind of like lost, not lost control of the game, but like he like lost. Like his like role within the game. Like I felt like he was leaving um, Unforgiven alone in the lane. Like I think he died twice solo um, when Aphelios was like just like getting two v one in the lane, and he was off like in River like doing something at all. Uh, like what do you think? What, like what do you actually think are like the like the advantages of like splitting up those pairs? Is that like a known thing like, that you thought like was good, or is it just something Kaiser was doing in the game, or was he trying to alleviate like lane pressure somewhere else? Because when you separate those two, I think you just expose Aphelios to like lots and lots of deaths. Like I, I found that that was like the most perplexing game from you guys, like of all of them, where it was like a mismatch execution on what like your comp was compared to like what you had in the game. 
So if I remember correctly, Kaiser died twice in lane. I think first one was just 2v2 first blood. Yeah, against the Braum. A gank. Yeah. Um, after that, you have no control of bot lane whatsoever. Uh, after that, you cannot 3v3 bot. You cannot even 4v4 bot. <laughs> Um, like it doesn't matter if you bring Cassiopeia and Cassiopeia can't move in this matchup because she has to play 1v1. So at that point, uh, the approach that we took, which I think in hindsight, I mean, I'd have to watch it again, um, which I haven't since, I must admit, because um, okay. I'm taking some off time. But um, I think our approach after that was to trade bot lane for mid lane advantage, which we ended up right. doing. Right? If you recall, I think we took mid tower pretty early that game and Cassiopeia was three items to two. And Aphelios mm -hmm. was like 1.5 to 3. I mean, Aphelios got really, really fucked. Yeah, it got really um, fucked. But I think you will, no matter what happens after that point, you will get fucked. Because if if Renata stays bot to defend Aphelios, then enemy like enemy jungle is going to come through bot, no matter what, in this game. Because he's going to make sure that he's going through the Callista lane. And then after that, if Renata is defending bot, they will see that Renata's defending bot. They will transfer into your jungle. They will ward your jungle. They'll take away your jungle camps and they'll take mid prior. And then Cassiopeia can't play aggressive anymore. So Renata has to go through mid. Otherwise, Cassiopeia can't play the game as well. So it's better to trade mid lane prior for bot lane prior at that point rather than lose both. So that that was like how that that was the correct response. Then it's just one of those situations where it doesn't, you know, it's it's you're in a fucking bad position anyway. Is that? Is yeah, that yeah. You kind of just have to make the best of it and play to your play to your strong side at that point, which is the Cassiopeia. Like the Cassiopeia matchup is is winning, and yeah. I think Misty was was pretty far ahead. Yeah, he, he yeah, almost solo killed the matchup. Like it, it was. Yeah, yeah. He, like he only like as good as someone as good as some you want someone like Nesky to play the matchup. He played it almost as well as it can like as it can be played. So like you yeah. couldn't ask for basically any more. The only thing you could ask for is like this that like almost solo kill to like be a solo kill. So like that I get all that, and I even like the Renata. Uh, the Renata idea with like the Cassio, because even if the Aphelios doesn't get the um the Renata, like the bailout's still good enough uh, on the Cassio. So I even like quite like that idea. The only concern I had was in that comp was into uh, Fanatics was like your ranges. Cassio and Aphelios themselves are also quite short ranged, and you're also you're walking into Ornhorn, uh, Renata out from Silas potentially, um, Brom out. And your only real way to actually like get them in there very cleanly is if the Wukong flank, you know, I mean, goes off. Like as in, like they, you disrupt their like formation at the pit, and you're able to like bring your carries in. When you were looking at that like game, or like when you, I, I don't know if it's a draft you, like you had like practice before or something. Was like, what do you think about like the whole idea of that draft and like its ranges? Like, how do you conceptualize them getting into like get uh, the actual team fights happening? Because it's great, like Aphelios. And Cassiopeia, when they're in the damage zone, they look amazing. But like, how when you're like building that draft up, how does your team like conceptualize it, like the best case scenario? So that comp is a front to back disengage comp. Uh, enemy team has to play Callista Silas into Cassio, which means that they must come into you, like they must engage. So it doesn't matter that you are like short range with your carries because they are shorter range with their carries, and Braum doesn't really help them engage. Um, Braum is annoying for Cassio because he has a lot of zone and Cassio is a champ that has to like kind of like she doesn't have any mobility and she kind of has to like walk straight towards you to DPS you down right um, so that's annoying I think the biggest like Sejuani you don't really care about is Cassio I mean this kid cleanse anyway so Sejuani is just like a wall of meat for him to kill Braum doesn't really do that much I don't think but it makes the early game hard and they can split map on a spot side really easily with Braum um, the biggest problem in that game is Orn because he's heavy zone control 
uh, like really, really heavy non-committal zone control, um, which is a problem for Aphelios and Cassio. But uh, and maybe I think in hindsight, he, I would have liked to have been able to ban on, but I don't think we felt we could in the draft. Can he dash out of Cassio pool, by the way, when he's unstoppable? He, he can't activate the ability when he's in the pool, can he? Who, who can, sorry? Orn, when he has like his dash that makes him like unstoppable. Oh, he, he, he can't can... dash while he's in his W. Yeah, he can uh, okay, he can dash when he's in yeah, Cassio. But like, he, yeah. he can buffer the Cassio W, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that. He can react to the animation with his E. Yeah. Um, which, okay. I think, in the last fight of the game, like the fight on Baron, where we kill Sejuani, the fight is actually about to be won. It's like the the like montage uh, humanoid Cassio onto four people. Yeah. The fight is actually in a really good spot, except like we kill Sej, and then Cassiopeia walks forward and presses W. And she, at the same time she walks forward, Orn walks forward. So she Ws behind him where he was, and then he E's on her on the wall, and then like the team fight is fucked. Um, Montage yeah, time. Like, for, for the most part, um, for the most part, I think that comp outranges. Like Callista says, Wani Silas has to come into you, but Orn is a problem, is the TLDR. Do you think that that comp is like uh, what a cast would call like a hard to execute comp in the sense that even if you're ahead, right, you don't have much hard engage, right? It's either Wukong getting a flank, or I guess if uh, if Renekton gets a really sick dash forward, but in theory that should never be allowed to happen in like an all things are equal scenario, right? Like, how, do you think that's uh, a lot on the 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 players in terms of like I don't want to say like pixel perfect execution, right? But like even if you're ahead theoretically, it's kind of hard to force your advantage on on a team with that comp is that fair or do you just think that actually it's it's whatever yeah i mean any comp that you play where you're short range and you don't have a lot of engage which is the case for that comp is difficult to play for sure yeah so you can make up for that by having like really 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 high damage to objectives uh which we had in that game so that mm -hmm. game is going to be decided by dragons and uh barons fortunately they are also really really short range they have engage so it's probably an easier draft to play for them um but also whenever you're playing Callista into something which outranges you which i think cassio does um because the w makes it so hard for Callista to play because obviously she can't like move in cassio w um then the game is going to be like really 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 about the objectives so in that sense yeah i think it's fine i mean it's probably like a net losing draft but it was potentially one of our best shots on on red side like mm. if we had played a different red side game then it would have been like the draft would have been different in the end and we wouldn't have have let them do that pinch but i didn't see that pinch coming and it was a really 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 good pinch from Fnatic, actually um to ban the lucian on three which i really didn't anticipate mm. Did, uh, well, what, oh, sorry. Sorry. No, i was just gonna say presumably you guys watched the uh Fnatic series against misfits did your plan of what you were going to do in this series change at all based on that like did you see something something new that you're like oh crap now we have to adjust to this or did you feel it was just yeah so uh, normal service resumed and did not really any any different like did anything surprise you watching that misfits fanatic series uh no not really the only the only thing that was slightly weird was that they permabanned silas which like the way that we read that was that they didn't feel like vto had any good blind picks apart from silas um, so, pill, punch. So, yeah, we didn't think that they would do that against us, which ended up being correct. Uh, and then the new, the most important info was that they played Callista, because um, previously, like everyone had permaban Callista or Draven against us, right? So now we knew that the chance of them first picking Callista on blue was was fine, like was was there, um, which we were prepared to play like Lucian Army into Callista, right? Um, 
but we weren't prepared for them to bamboosh it and pinch Callista. So, I mean, well, I mean, we thought that, like, we knew that Aphelios Renata would be the answer ahead of time. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kira, I don't want to talk too much about this series apart from anything else because it wasn't particularly interesting and doesn't really impact anything that we're talking about today. But on that Fnatic uh, Misfit series, obviously we talked about it before. Um, but having now obviously watched the series play out in its entirety, do you think there were any avenues where Misfits or even Mad, we can throw Mad in as well, could have like uh, exploited to win that matchup? It's first with Misfits. Like, do you uh, think there's a way Misfits could have actually ever won that series, or do you think they were just nah, not match? not Misfits? It's a matchup hell. Uh, Zanzara Vu is like that's apart from like obviously Caps. That's like that humanoid Razork and their current form is like one of the worst things for them. Uh, no one's figured out the trundle, like people who are like, you don't have this problem because you have armor, but people who are like pigeonholed, the teams are pigeonholed into playing like uh, tank top sides only, have not, no one's figured out the Silas trundle ferris wheel that are basically that you have to just ban both of them and your draft shit. So really no one's like, figured out that ferris wheel yet. Um, so yeah, misfits were fucked. What about, what about Mad? What, what do you think would have been less, angle to... Mad were, mad were less fucked. Um, I actually wanted to just ask, like, Matt, like, two questions. First one, who calls in your team, would you say, around objectives? Like, who like who sets up objectives, like, Drake and Baron, like, talks your team through them? Is it, like, are you a democracy, or do you have someone that, like, regularly talks through it? Uh, so, I mean, in terms of, like, deciding whether or not we actually contest or cross-map on an objective, it's usually like kind of democracy but it's also strongest person's call right okay. um like if if ad carry has three items and has flash up and is like guys i will carry this team fight like we're fighting this objective then we fight it right yeah, um, yeah. the aside from that like once you actually get to objective like how or kind of while we're on the way there's another phase i guess which is how do we want a team fight yeah. to get around this objective which is again it should be led by the strongest people on the team so that changes from game to game um when we're in terms of like which mid wave do we contest which vision are we getting which choke are we protecting like the forward planning around the fight i'd say el yoya is the biggest voice right and then during the fight i would say niski is the biggest voice I had, I had a feeling it was i had a feeling it was a lawyer um i would say in this series even he's probably one of my favorite players i would actually say a lawyer had quite a rough series i don't think he was maybe like as disciplined, I'm gonna get blame him for like the things here because like you've given him the thing. But I think he's a great player. I just don't think a lot of his setups or the team setups around objectives were as clean as usually they are. I actually think in general, team fighting has been an overall weakness for Mad Lions, but it was sometimes better here, and then other times it was a lot worse. I, it's really really hard when something's like obviously happened. It's really hard to envision the version. In which like the event like doesn't happen um th there's like, only a couple of like the the general objective setups but even then like you can't like set up for humanoid casual and like four people you know like if that doesn't happen you know you you've won that baron fight you win on red side the game moves over it's got the game's got a completely different like momentum to it I think some of it was just execution, like different differences and a lot of small, like intrinsic, like draft advantages. Like the game you won was actually like really nice. Like you've won that, you've played that out like really well. 
Um, the only other thing I would want to pick your brain on is what do you think of Lucian Nami? Like over, because you didn't play at all uh, in that series, did you? Yeah. yeah. So you, I, I, I don't know your prior about it, but what do you actually think of it as a combo? Do you rate it highly? Do you think it's like good? Like, what do you actually? How do you conceptualize like the pick? Uh, I like the combo a lot. I think it's yeah. really, really, really strong. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter so much now because uh, patch is going to be three patches on by the time we hit worlds. Um, but our read was that Yumi is greater than Lushanami is greater than Lulu, okay. um, and that like the stats. Oh, you have Lulu each... last. Yeah, we have Lulu. Last. Oh, right, okay. Um, I think it depends on the team, right? Like, like, and this is the read for us, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, that that's like, fine. That's just I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah I mean, we like. And in hindsight, I think that's possibly a mistake on our part. Like, and I think one of the things that could have been different for this series is game one and game four, right? Are like two losing blue side games. Game one, we could have picked picked Lucian first, and like you said, dared them to play Yumi X, or they could have yeah. played Lulu something, right? Like, I don't know what they would have played, like Kogmo Lulu or something, right? Which has been an answer into Lucian Nami, for example. We could have taken that matchup, and I think that's a more proactive side of the matchup, which would have been good for us. It would have meant giving them Poppy. Which is which I didn't want to do, which is yeah, why you don't we want to pick Poppy and gave them yeah, Lucian yeah. Nami and played Nami. Okay. Um so that was our read there. Um but I think like hindsight wise, like we're pretty good on Lucian Nami. We could have played the opposite side and been fine. Like what I wanted was to have a proactive draft, right? And I think Yumi Nyla is actually pretty proactive. Once you hit like Nyla six, you have a shit ton of engage. If you have Yumi Nyla Nocturne Kennen, you have a lot, lot, lot of engage. Um, yeah, yeah. But you have to get through early game, and we didn't. Um, but if we wanted to have a stronger early game draft, we could have done done the Lucian side that game. Um, and I think that would have had a, made the series dynamic very different because it would have made them afraid to give us Lucian Nami on blue. It would have made blue side stronger for us if we'd won that first game. I think um, that's my only cri big criticism is you've never played in your four games. You've never played um, like a Lucian. Like you never yourselves never played like a Lucian variant. It would be like my same criticism to like uh, Yamato in the XL series where he like ran in the first two games that he lost to XL, he basically ran back the same game and then he started producing answers like the Twitch in the third game, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, rather than like trying something in the second game. So he actually put, I feel like he put himself, his team into a deeper hole than like you, you did it yourself actually. I think yours was, the only thing I would say about yours was I actually like went, tried to show the Lucian and then threaten it and then they've got to consider it. But then that wouldn't have mattered in the game where they pinched it because they were taking it away anyway, so. Yeah, it could only have been game four, where game yeah, four yeah. we could have done the same first round uh, bans as we did in game one. So game one, like game one and four, the difference in our first round bans was that we banned Sivir in the first one and Poppy in the last one. Um, and the Poppy ban was to be able to first pick Yumi. Um, and our read is that once Poppy is gone, like Razok's not getting Poppy, and we yeah. can first pick Yumi and play Yumi Sivir into Lucian Nami. Uh, and the God combo. In our heads, that's winning. But we yeah. could have banned Sivir out. And given them Poppy, played Lucian Nami, like traded it for Trundle, and then yeah, it's it's the draft that I described, right? Um, so we could have had two drafts where we were like on I mean, first game was I think relatively proactive, but maybe two losing early. So we, we could have had two drafts that were more proactive for us, and that might have been the way that we win the series. Also, game three team fights could just go differently, right? Like the Baron one that you mentioned, and there's a team fight where Cassio's three items to two on the dragon. I think it's mm. the third dragon where we get aced, where we don't protect our flank properly. Um, and we fight them too early. Yeah. Like they're coming four from mid, one from bot. And instead of zoning flank and like just letting them into the river and fighting them to the death on the dragon, we try to go on them as they're coming into the topside flank, which means that then Silas gets like undefended entry into our into our backline. Orn presses R on Cassio, she has no flash. 
uh, and so she's just kind of zoned from the team fight forever and then she runs down the river towards Silas instead of guarding the choke, like the blue buff choke um, for the rest of the team and then ends up in an ace, right? So uh, that's like, I guess there were three opportunities there that, that I see as really strong opportunities for us to have won at least one more game. Right. We won't torture Mac anymore with the post-mortem of that, uh, that series. So, and we're also not, as I said, we've already said, oh, we're going to stay on the Misfits Fnatic series because that's whatever at this point. I do want to briefly touch on G2 Rogue. Now, Kira, I will remind you that you picked Rogue to win. 3-2, although... I'm happy anyway, because fucking Maran lost. So, yeah. <laughs> I would say, you know, it was admittedly a pick only based on... W's, only dealing wins. A cocktail of narrative and copium, I think that one was. Uh, so tell me, Kira, why didn't your narrative prevail? Why... Why, by the way, my narrative's still going strong because I've gone for the switcheroo that Rogue's going to win through the lower bracket now and beat G2 in the final. Although, again, I think I'm on more copium Fucking, than you were. Yeah, so, that's uh, very brave. That's yeah, very brave. That, yeah, but by the way, I'm off that Rogue ship. I'll tell you, right? No, I'm off Mate, that ship. Everyone's, right? about, yeah. everyone's actually abandoned the Razor Cake other than me, I think, at this point. Uh, but uh, well, uh, it was interesting. Game one, uh, Malround decided to... A clear jungle like a normal person uh and he actually played out the early game like pretty well he covered a lot of um g2's early aggression and their attempt to go top side and alleviate the pressure from oduamne uh and then they just started i, I think rogue might be the worst team in playoffs at tracking man advantage on the map um they opt into like so many poor like situations, it's unbelievable. Just to holistically go over why I think they lost the like series, I think drafting against G2 for bot lane matchups with the Senna Seraphine lane is hellish because they can play the other lanes at a relative level. Um, uh, Caps, Yankos are the best jungle 2v2, like actual a real 2v2, and they're great at preying on uh, laners' like tendencies. Um, the amount of times they caught uh, what's his name? Larson mid was un ungodly at this point. Uh, Odo Amni's just not playing like outlaning matchups well at all. He's just having mm. a very poor underperformance. And basically, game one, I actually think was probably one of the best jungling games. Um, for Rogue, they play, but the game just turned into too much of a disaster, and they just lost so much early momentum they have the one Talia's is not like Ari completely in this sense but it is a little bit like it where when you're like Talia or Ari and you, you the snowball starts to go against you your champions start feeling way worse than almost any other champion does you basically have to like have the like the tempo and the momentum with you in the lead and then you can like never drop the ball I don't think Rogue is that like type of team even to begin with in the first place. I think it's a, a somewhat of an identity crisis in the draft. And then the one the game where they had like the Azir Sever, it was like just horrible levels of like team like team fight difference, like hand hands death. Like even though they had it was uh, like the Varus, the Varus pickup just like randomly out of like nowhere. 
Rogue were making a lot of like very very like uncharacteristic like greedy decisions. Larson on Azir went for like a lot of wall plays. They would burn flashes, which is like great, but then you'd be like caught in the middle of nowhere. Um, it was kind of a disappointing like series overall for Rogue. But I mean, uh, aside from your obviously outrageous pick beforehand, did you really expect anything different? Um, yeah. I expected the bot lane to play out against G2's bot lane a lot better than they did. I think G2's bot lane know basically the matchups that they played out. So they got two games of Seraphine and um, what's the fucking, I always forget the champion's name. What's it called? Someone help me out here. Senna? Senna. They had two games of Seraphine, Senna, and then they had a game of Draven, yeah? Uh, I yeah, they did. So yes. Yeah, so that's like that's the amazing territory for um flat and Targamas. And Targamas looks like the best Senna in the world. Like really does. He's really good at Senna. Hmm. What What about you, Mike? Did you Did you learn anything new from watching these two teams play against each other? Were there any surprises for you, or did this go exactly how you thought it would? Uh, I learned that Rogue decided not to ban Senna. Which was very strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think banning Senna should have been from Top game priority. one. I mean, may- maybe you can say now we're going to play against it and we're going to like prepare a pick into it. We're going to play like I don't know Ezreal or something into Senna, whatever, um, and make it work. I think Senna Seraphine is just god of god of gods for for G two as a team. It just lets them do everything they want to as a team. And I think it was game one where Targamas was just like everywhere on the map with Senna. Somehow. Oh, it's, it was disgusting. Yeah. Um, Fleckett has always been a very, very good Seraphine player ever since he was on uh, Mad Academy. Oh, has he actually? Um, yeah, he's a really good mage that. player. He played a lot of Seraphine and Soraka and stuff like this on uh, <laughs> on Mad Academy. Anything that he could be helping on. Um, he's really, really good. So in that regard, I think that was a like a big, big, big draft adaptation mistake. I can, I can accept one game, but I think two games is too slow um, when they're obviously that good on it. Uh, I think Rogue underrated Aatrox a lot and overrated Renekton a lot. Uh, especially when you compare it with Seraphine, Aatrox is looking very good. Like Yumi, Aatrox, Seraphine, Aatrox, any of this stuff right now. Um, for people who don't know, there's a new Aatrox build where you go Eclipse into Black Cleaver. And then if you're super ahead, you go Cyrilda's third, I think. Um, and it's really, really, really good. Um, it spikes super early. Eclipse does a lot of the time more shielding value than your Gore Drinker will give you in the game. So he's actually deceptively tanky. He has both lethality and armor shred, like percentage armor shred from Black Cleaver on second item. He has a shit ton of uh, CDR. And the way the champion works, when he hits like the critical like mass on the shred and he gets the heals off, he heals for like huge percentages of health. Yeah, yeah. And this is because they added movement speed to... On the shred. They add no. They added mythic. They added movement speed to the mythic passive of Eclipse, of Eclipse. in order to buff assassins. So they're at. I think it was like plus five or plus ten flat MS um, on every legendary item you complete. Which four percent uh, movement speed plus? Not sure. Uh, I, I thought it was four. like flat flat ten, but yeah, there's a percentage. Um, I can't remember what the percentage is, but it's enough to be really significant for a. Yeah, it's really broken. <laughs> like really, really significant for a. Yeah, it moves so fast. So. Um, that like combo i think was just uh like when i saw the draft it, it, it wasn't looking too fresh um and you also had caps playing azir in one game right um mm. which is a, Never a, a good idea from larson 
Well, I mean, it stopped Larson playing it, but then Larson, Larson actually didn't look so hot on it, to be fair. And uh, the Varus, they'd actually practiced the Varus like the, like the day before us or the scrim block before against us. Oh, uh, really? Scrim, so we, we, oh, we were all amazing. sitting there watching like, is it Varus? Is it Varus? Is it Varus? Oh, Which was a fun amazing. moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they kind of cheesed one game away with the, with the Varus. But yeah, I would think in, in general, like the same with, with Fnatic. Uh, and us with G2 and Rogue is just, just Fnatic were way better on the day and G2 were way better on the day, right? Um, like, they were just a much better team. If, uh, if you're the coach of Rogue, would would your sort of mindset going into that series be to like target bot lane, like target Flact, Or do you think, and in both draft and also uh, playing for bot side, because as Kira said, like, to me, I guess the most surprising thing is... I mean, typically, obviously, you just expect better performances out of Otto because historically he's better than, you know, his aggregate performance is better than what he showed, but that's whatever. From like a pure matchup perspective, I would have thought where G2, or sorry, Rogue in theory have the biggest edge is Comp and Trimby in theory should be better in as pure laners at least than, than Flacked uh, Targamast. Is that what you would have targeted if you were their coach or how would you have approached um the yeah. any weak spots on g2 sure so i i think um i think as rogue you basically have two jobs and the first one is like like you said to take away whatever crutches that g2's bot lane has because they're a really good team when they can basically not give resources to bot lane and play mid into top or straight from bot into top <laughs> uh, they're really really good when they can play around winning matchups in in top lane um and your second job is to make sure that your jungler isn't getting like murdered because I think Rogue doesn't really function while Malrang isn't like doing stuff, <laughs> doing his Malrang stuff. Um, like, like when Malrang isn't successful, it hurts Rogue a lot. And I think that Rogue relies on Malrang sacrificing himself to do like random stuff that kind of shouldn't work, but does. Like it's it's like the stuff that he does is really weird and like really sounds, and it looks really stupid, but some of it's really smart, right? Like if if you do not have flash malrang will visit you like that's how it works and uh, it doesn't really matter like what how many jungle camps he loses for it if you don't have flash like he's coming um and that's a way to play the game uh it's not my preferred way to play the game for jungle but like rogue relied on it heavily throughout the regular season and so you need to enable him in some way right like whether that's through drafting him matchups where he can't be heavily invaded or making sure you get enough prio lanes to make sure enemies can't go constantly go and drop vision on you or getting like created level ones to burn flashes at level one so that Malrang can then come and flash on them at level two, right? Like you need to do something on Rogue to, to actually unlock Malrang against I, I have an alternative theory on this, which is it's not so much that they're relying on him, it's that they know they're stuck with him. So it's like, this has to be the route that we take because he's not no, going to just they, randomly they play conventionally, you know? They, they, they don't assign themselves to the madness enough though. That is Malrang. <laughs> yeah, I'm not true. Joking. No, they, true. They, Absolutely. Those players, if they actually wanted to have Malrang, would actually have to like change their like completely change like their champion pool and like their playstyle. Like Larson and Malrang are so like anathema to like how each other want to play. It makes like fucking zero sense to me whatsoever that they should like continue playing together. Unless Larson wants to go down that route of like madness with them. But like one thing that was like super weird is I was watching Rogue do like desperation plays. And we weren't even like ten minutes into the game. Like that top dive into BB, yeah. where they brought the Zinjiao, the Lulu, and the Renekton, and then just they didn't they didn't try and redive them once. I think they tried to redive them three times or something. Yeah. And like every other lane's just getting like fisted, and Yankos is just farming camps. And I was like, 
but how? How is this ever? How is this ever correct? Like, how do you ever end up in these positions of rogue? How did he do it to themselves every single time? It like blows my mind. That like, I even liked one of the um where rogue picked the Zin Zhao, right? Um, in game one, okay. Even though it wasn't game one, it was when well, game two, I think. Let me check. Yeah, it was game two when they picked the Zin Zhao. I actually like Zin Zhao still when it has like enchanters like the Yume and stuff. And then I felt like that was like one of Malrang's most passive games. I was like, what? What's going on? <laughs> like, put the Yumi on the Zin Zhao and go! Go, motherfucker! But they wouldn't move! I was so infuriating to watch Rogue, which I feel like mis-execute so many of like their drafts. I have, I have no idea if they were like, you, there must have been like prep, no, you were prepping a lot of it with like G2, so I have no idea who they were like prepping with, but it just looked like so unbelievably tragic. I have no hope for Rogue against Fnatic whatsoever. It was really, really sad. Well, that is a helpful segue as I'm now going to talk about that exact series, Rogue versus Fnatic, because obviously they're playing this weekend for the right to meet uh, G2 in the final on Sunday. Considering how things have panned out, I think I know where you stand on this one, Kira, so I, I will not come to you first. Uh, I would have said, from like a weird sort of layman's perspective of like where stock was, right? Like if we're looking at stock charts, that in a way their stocks should kind of have just passed each other, you know? Like probably Fnatic are the favourites, but, you know, Rogue had a higher starting position. Fnatic had lower expectations at the start of playoffs. Now they've flipped a little bit, but... I'm I'm just gonna say I'm I'm saying five games. I don't know. It's not again. I haven't thought about it too much yet. But I'm gonna say five games. What do you think, Mac? What What do you expect to see in this series, Rogue versus Fnatic? Uh, so I think that Fnatic is probably going to stomp Rogue. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that Humanoid has now. He actually told me before before our series, I ran into him in the makeup room and he was like, I have some bad news for you, which is that I have returned to my playoffs form. Mm -hmm. You guys are going to get fucked today. And I was like, great, thank you. Uh, and I think he actually has hit his playoffs form. I think he's playing really, yeah. really, really well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a roughie for Larson because Larson historically hasn't been on his best form during playoffs, I would say. Especially um, against Humanoid, by the way. He always looks rubbish against Humanoid. Yeah, Humanoid is a pretty insane laner. And I think he has a lot of qualities that make him really, really dangerous in playoffs. And um, he shares his champion pool as well. Yeah, I mean, I think he he actually plays both sides of the coin, and that's the issue that Larson has against him, right? Like, Humanoid can play carry versus carry, or he can also, like, play TF or Rise and, and win the map. Uh, like, he's capable of doing both, and that's something that Larson hasn't, I think, consistently shown in playoffs, for sure. So that's rough. I think you're probably... Well, certainly correct. I think Odo has had a rough show of, of form in the last two series that he's played. Um, from playing against them, like I think that our series against Rogue could very easily have gone either way in like many, many different moments, right? Like it was a banger series, and I don't want to take away from Rogue at all, but it was a close series, like really, really close. Um, and from the way that that series felt playing against Rogue, uh, the Fnatic series did not feel the same way. The Fnatic series felt like, oh shit, we're out of tricks in the bag. Like, <laughs> they figured us out and we don't have much left. So um, I think that Fnatic is, at least from the way it feels, way, way, way stronger right now. I also think that uh, I've actually never historically been so impressed by him as a player, but I think Upset is having the most insane split uh, in like his playoff run so far that I've seen from almost any Western AD carry in a long time. 
Really? Like, bro, I think he's been good, like, in the last couple of series. But, like, I think in that XL series, the first three games were, like, he had, like, a terrible first three games, and then he went God mode afterwards. It was, like, something, it was, it was like, self-flagellation or something. Like, it was, it was like, self-hatred. Like, he, he played, like, a dog three games, and then he just, like, was, like, fuck it, time to be a man. It was actually insane how good he's gotten after those three. Because I was looking at him, I was like, this wasn't the upset of the end of the season. And then he just, like, awakened. It's been think, really impressive. I'd, I'd go even further. I'd say that... I actually don't think he was the best AD carry in that series or the Misfit series. I think, but by the way, that's not a different upset. I think the level of like AD carry play has been like obscenely high in some of these series. I think, and in all of those series, upsets had, and especially obviously the most recent series, upsets had some banger games, and his trajectory just seems to be going like that at the moment. But I think Patrick was insane in the XL series. Um, for the most part to be honest I've also like kind of blanked out some of the losing games on this side I would say so maybe I'm losing some perspective here um, I think Neon was actually basically the only thing that was good about Misfits uh, for much of those those games and yeah and obviously uh, I think all of the AD carry play basically has been like really good um, yeah obviously upset this is this is Fnatic's best bot lane matchup because even though I've been told by people that comp plays Draven, they have no Draven priority of their own. Yeah? So, like, this is, like, Fnatic's, like, wet dream in terms of pick ban. Give me, give me a gonna... path to victory for Rogue here, Kira. I know you think uh, Fnatic are going to win, but what's, what's the path to victory here? You, like, self... Self-pinch about around bot lane and try and go into like kill condition and like chanters with Trimby and you like run it down bot lane. You try and play like mid to bot with like Alia, but even then that's probably not gonna work. Mm. I think you have to I think you have to put Odo on an island versus Wonder, but the problem problem being there is I think Wonder's playing the majority of matchups way better than Odo is. As that's what I was saying. I think it's actually really dark timeline for rogue but bot like oh mega pinch on bot lane and just attack it until it crumbles but you do that the problem is is like yeah that wins you one game and then mm. you then got game two to win i'm not even sure it game... wins you one game mate i don't want to yeah, see last you know and again to be honest no i'm just you. i'm just saying there's like you're asking for the path to victory yeah, sure, but sure. A, a series isn't won in one game a series is won and they're like they might win one game doing that like are they going to win a series doing that no i like the best prediction i think is 3-1 i think it'll most likely be 3-0 Mac, let me ask you, because again, we've obviously talked about upset. I think we all agree, even if it's to different degrees, that he's obviously playing really well. And I'd also add, by the way, he is basically the sole reason why they made playoffs, uh, at least from an outsider perspective in the last couple of weeks as well. Um, do you think, though, that perhaps on the flip side, that targeting bot in drafts could be rogue favoured? I'll remind people that seemingly again we can only base it off certain th things that we can see and have access to the way Fnatic was drafting in a couple of those series to me implied that upset can't actually play some of these picks that the other ad carries can play and they were just i mean that there were games where they were literally banned like four ad carries like what what do you make of that as a, a potential win con yeah i think i think pinching bot like certainly makes some sense i mean on blue like rogue is the highest seed right so in theory they get three blue side games um yeah. so 
one of the blue side games you can win with like a Callista first pick. Like I think if Rogue is going to win the series, they have to be able to win with a Callista first pick. Yep. That's one of the ways they win one game. After that, Fnatic has to stop giving them Callista and their red side draft gets a lot harder. The second way that they win, like their next blue side game is what? Um, they have to potentially win, like challenge Fnatic to play Yumi and win the flip, right? So like, for example, do the draft that we did in draft one in game one and then first pick dilution and see what G2 is going to play, uh, Fnatic is going to play into it, right? Because with Sivir out, like you can pinch bot lane like that. And if you pinch Sivir then you don't really have anything good to play with Yumi because you don't want to play Twitch into Lucian Lucian, Nami. Yeah. And uh, we haven't seen Upset play Nyla, so you can pinch them that way. Yep. Um, and then the third way would be, I guess, if they get a Yumi game and they play Yumi into Lucian Nami and they gank bot early and the Yumi gets ahead and then they win the game, right? So that's that's the three games for Rogue, I think. No, I think I don't think they can win or draft on red side. Yeah, I think that's I think that's definitely interesting because as I said before, I I think I'm right in saying they have not played a Yumi game yet. Fnatic in in playoffs. But like one of the things that's letting like Fnatic play out like these like the Misfits game's awful because like Zanzara just went full fucking brainless mode and threw like entire games by starting on the wrong side of jungle. But like Razork is like not. Just not, it's not even tracking junglers. I don't even know what you would call it, but he's like pressuring like into the enemy team's jungler, jungle, and like finding the jungler and being like the most annoying like person on planet Earth, mm. like just standing next to like their jungler and like throwing out skill shots or like hitting them with poppy shields and stunning them and then running away with phase rush. And so, a lot of teams I feel like are actually finding it really hard to attack Fnatic with bot lane. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's fucking doomed. That, that's so what you're you're is. going three zero presumably to Fnatic Kira. Is that what I'm getting the vibes on? Yeah, three zero or three one one rogue because rogue yeah, like Max said, rogue's gonna get like is Fnatic gonna win? Could it be three consecutive red side games for three zero? Yeah, yeah. Because then rogue just cut yeah. So and uh, what about you, Mike? Is something similar three one three zero? What are you thinking? I mean, they must, have, they must have at least one good pinch in them. I have to give Freddy enough credit to have, like, one good aggressive blue side pinch. At least that works. Uh, and then after that, I think Fnatic will probably will probably win, right? And, so I, I'm going to say 3-1 yeah. as well. And I'm going to assume that both of you think that Fnatic versus G2 is more likely to be a competitive series than the rematch of G2 Rogue. Is that, is that uh, fair? Yeah. That's the dicey one. Why do, why do you say that? Why do you think that's... Uh... Because then we were going to the reverse, where it's like we go from it being like the best version of like um things draft um fanatics like botlane draft to like one of the worst versions of like fanatics botlane draft because mm. uh, you're gonna ban out like Senna, then you're gonna have to ban out Draven, and then you're also gonna have to ban out Callista. So you're looking at triple ADC bans in the open, like against Excel. Every game. Mm. So I what... don't think they need to ban Callista or Draven against G2. I think really? If they ban, I think if they ban Senna and trade the AD carries, they'll be on the winning side. I think their bot lane is much better than G2's. So they then take the Callista because... Uh, they take the Callista pick because Upset's not doesn't play Draven. Yeah. And you think... You, you think they ban the Draven if it's a problem, but certainly in the early games in the series, I don't think they should ban the Draven. I think they should just ban Senna, trade everything. Um, but certainly if, if they... If they like, they they have options, right? Like they can trade the AD carries, and if they win a game with that, then it's really rough for G two. I mean, G two can run it back after that, right? But if yeah. you assume that you want to adapt after losing games, then G two needs to adapt after that. 
and then once the Callista is gone, then you end up playing Enchanter versus Enchanter. And in Enchanter v Enchanter, assuming that G2 doesn't have some like really smart answers, which I think taking Senna out removes most of. Um, but like maybe they can play uh, I don't know, like Seraphine something else lane. Assuming they can't do that, like if they don't have a really good answer to Enchanters and they have to actually play Enchanter v Enchanter, they have to play Yumi Severe versus Lucian Nami or Lulu Zeri versus whatever, right? Like Lucian Nami. I think in those matchups, G2 will be really, really disadvantaged. Very uh, quick side tangent here that I want to ask you guys about because I do know that this has been played a couple of times in scrims. Not, by the way, with the teams who are still competing. That would not be appropriate for me to leak. But last patch, and I don't see a reason why this would have changed too much over the next patch, people were playing Lux Seraphine in scrims. Is that a thing that makes any sense at all? Or do you think that's just scrim bait? Lux Seraphine... Uh, they might have even been doing like the Guardian cheese or whatever. I don't know. Think. Can make sense for G2 if they're going to play stuff like Yone on top lane. Then it it for them. But it seems really, it seems, it still seems kind of rough into. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. It should, be, it should be hard into Lucian Nami because Lucian has too many dashes to make it work. It can be uh, into Yumi lanes. Like, if you want to just 50 50 the lane and do nothing with the Yumi lane, then that'll be fine. But the Yumi is going to be much more effective at roaming the map than you are because she's going to sit on her jungler and then go and do stuff, and your support is a Lux. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it can work if you're going to play like hardcore winning topside comps. Right. So, now before we go, one last thing I would like to talk about is obviously looking forward to Worlds and. Uh, Obviously, Mad Lions will be there, despite having not <laughs> won any better fives this season. <clears throat> but not their fault. My that came up with it. True. My question is because obviously you guys are gonna be going through the the play-ins. Um, my question, Mac, is: Do you actually think, because this is my personal theory, that this is almost a blessing? Because obviously, again, we know what the patch number is, but we don't know what the p patch actually entails. We don't know what the meta is going to be. Um, and do you think that actually it might be a blessing in disguise sort of getting these reps in, um, leaving you sort of better equipped for the group stages? Like how, how do you how do you view the the play-in system as as a means of preparation? Typically in the past, I have always viewed it that way. Like we went through play-ins in 2019 with Splice and then 2020 with Mad again, <laughs> yeah. which didn't work out so well for us. Um, I think this year will be different in that on that front, right? We have a lot of really experienced players who uh, like there were a lot of challenges in China that we didn't cope well with, right? But um, historically, yes. Uh, this year, the schedule is rough because mm. there's no longer any quarantine times or anything like that. And in the past, the quarantine times gave you like a week. Like it sucked, right? But they gave you like a week or two weeks even in some cases of time when you're scrimming and adapting to the patch. Uh, this year, we are like landing in Mexico and then we're playing our stage games like four days later. And then the day after that, you're traveling to New York. And then like two days later, you're playing your group stage matches. So the schedule is insane. Mm. Like it's really, really hard. Um, and that is less in favor of the play-in teams. Um, the play-in groups are also... Hellish. Much harder this yeah. year, I imagine. So yeah, they're insane. It's, uh, I mean, RNG is pretty fucking scary uh then you've got like vcs number two which is also presumably not about DRX. yeah you've got drx who are and like, the european third okay. seed you've got european third seed who i don't know if we i don't know if there's a rule that prevents us from playing against them or not uh, uh initially for sure but i don't know i 
I don't think there's any like I think potentially in your last best of or whatever, I think you could yeah. play them. Yeah, I don't think it's possible for there to be a rule to prevent it because mm. like you can't like even like there's cross group play at the end, right? Like if yeah. you put them in the same group, then they definitely play each other. Yes, exactly. And they don't yeah. play each other in the BO5s. But at the end in the cross group play, there's no there's no way you can make a rule to stop yeah. it. You unless you eliminated all seeding whatsoever and just <laughs> yeah. contrived it. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, which I would be super unfair, right? Yes. So like uh, so that's probably not going to happen. So then like basically as the EU team, you either have to like I mean I think RNG are pretty good, but like you have to pray that like uh, DRX are bad. But that's one thing that you can hope for. Uh, you can hope that uh, that you play your like elimination BO5 against the NA third seed. That's a good thing to hope for. Uh, and then like you just have to pray that you dodge RNG, right? Um, and that you dodge the other European team, or that you're better than the other European team, right? Like, but that's like you know, it, it's not like those are like super great odds for you. Like, uh, in the past RNG... games were like this. This should be like an 80, 90 percent win for you as the European team. But mm. those are no longer the odds. You know, they're much closer yeah. to fifty fifty now. RNG, though, are most likely to top their group. So they're going to auto-qualify. And then you've got to hope that DRX is going to the other pool and that they auto-qualify. And so you would then play, again, if you look at the rest of them, you would then play either, like, European 3, uh, Beyond Gaming, so, uh, Saigon Buffalo, or the European 3rd seed. Yeah. Right? I think well, Mad's chances... Right? Yeah, yeah NA3. Yeah, I think Mad's chances against all of them are really good. When you put it like that, it's true. But yeah. <laughs> but there is always the chance that like DRX trolls and drops two BO1s and suddenly isn't first place in the group. Uh, and I think at Worlds, you should probably assume that those things happen, especially in play-ins. Um, those chances exist. Uh, like, I think that's really, really not unlikely. But, like, well, you, here you're not forget, you're forgetting this part. What if they troll against you and you get the first seed? True. That's, that's actually that, true. Yeah, that's true. Mate, if you just be, if you beat DRX or RNG, and then you keep it clean against the rest of the groups, on average, you'll come first and manage to have to play any of the plans. Believe, self belief, mate. By the you way, my brain goes to the worst possible case scenario <laughs> where I get fucked by playing RNG. That's what I, I'm traumatized. Okay, bro. I, you know what, mate? I understand why you're traumatized because I watched it as well when I was traumatized. Yep. <laughs> The, uh, so am I right in saying that any team that comes out of the play-ins, you've got your pool four no matter what, right? In terms of group, uh, group seeding. Yeah, but there's a, a guy, some person on Reddit basically brought up a fact that the world pools might change and the rules for the world pools might change because they've already fucked up the group thing because of where the teams can go. So there's going to be a rules change for the seeding at Worlds, most definitely, because Riot have like self-broken their own rules so they're mm. kind of w better to like pump the brakes but yes i think everyone auto becomes a fourth seed and then they get distributed to the out throughout the groups as is appropriate but there's there is a possibility for the need for a rules change mm. because of some some things there's a reddit post about it that someone like sure. yeah yeah either the rules need to change or there's a very high likelihood that you get two chinese groups in the two chinese teams in the same group or two yeah that's it or two group. two koreans yeah. in the same group yeah Brilliant, well done. Uh, and I mean, just very quickly, obviously, we mentioned them there. Um, have you had a chance at all, Mac, to watch to watch any LCS this year? Like, do you have a read on how strong generally you think that region is? Uh, the only games that I ever watch are EG, um, because Peter Peter's team. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I like EG. I think I think they have a like actually a pretty solid playstyle. Like probably like. They're for sure, in my opinion, like whether or not they're the best team right now, they play the best League of Legends 
of an NA team that I've seen in a long time in terms of like... What a technicality uh, that is. <laughs> what, a, what a fucking technicality. They play the best League of Legends. Why did they lose the series? Well, playing the credit League of Legends doesn't mean you always win. <laughs> <laughs> they deserve to win. Oh, I, hate yeah, I actually well, hate the deserve to win thing. I think it's bullshit. But um, no, I mean, what I mean is that like, I think they have the... Like they might not execute it correctly, right? Uh, and that's that's a different story. They're purists, but I, think, but I think they have at least like the closest that I have seen to a philosophy on how to play the game that can actually work at an international level from any yeah, NA, NA team ever. Yeah, um, it's consistent. So I I like EG. I really hope that I don't have to play against them in elimination. Uh, like I'll... it would suck so much to have to play elimination against Peter. Um, so I, I hope we get to play them at some point at Worlds, but like later on. I've yeah. been watching NA Rich. I'll tell you, don't worry, bro. The, the region is fucking dog shit. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached that point again where NA is full of hopium, but it ain't looking good. And I'm talking about against like the world caliber like teams here, right? Like we actually compare them to like the world class contemporaries. Any of them, one of the worst necks that I've ever seen it. So let me it's let me really bad. let me ask you this because obviously you know this is the part where easy redeeming. Yeah, if you've got EG, we've got EG, obviously hundred thieves and uh, Cloud Nine. Um, one of those teams will be a third seed, and one of those teams could potentially be in Max Group or another player so, group. Do you think any of those? Sorry, say again. It's all, it can only be either 100 Thieves or EG. Oh, sorry, correct? yeah, yeah. So 100 yeah. Thieves or EG. Do you think, what? how would you see the NA third seed, potential third seed against the Mad Lions? Like, would do you think that Mad clears them easily? Absolute slaughter. But BO1s and League of Legends are a horrible thing because right. like teams also like prep for them. If you gave Mad Lions um, 10 BO5s against the NA scene, some of the NA teams, I would expect them to win like all of the most of the BO the BO fives three zero, and then maybe only lose like one of them to like mental boom. Like I'm not joking. Like the E, they really are the EU teams are quite head and shoulders above the NA teams right now, in my opinion. It's interesting though because obviously the narrative. What do you think? What do you think, Mac? How many games best of fives did you win in a row? That's, that's a very dangerous question. Hey, um, we've, re we've reached our quota of best of five jokes, by the way. <laughs> no, I didn't even mean it as a best of five joke. I, I have actually just, I have actually just wrecked you. But anyway. Holy moly, you just like stabbed me under the arm and everything. Jesus. I reckon Mad Lies would win 10 best of fives <laughs> in a row if they were in NA. Uh, yeah, brilliant. But uh, no, I mean, the narrative has been like uh, that the EU's been weak and it's been this whole, oh, how, uh, if a region's not top heavy, especially a Western region, then it can't be good, blah, blah, blah. All the teams are close to each other. So like, is I mean, what, what do you think, Max? Do you, do you feel like EU goes to uh, Worlds or will go to Worlds with any kind of legitimate hopium? Or do you, do, or do you think this is a bit of a, a slump year for EU? Uh, hmm. I like. I'm gonna take us out of the equation because I think it's it's a bit weird for me to comment on how well we're gonna do at Worlds. Um, Mate, NA teams have been doing that for years. Don't you worry about it. You just say you're gonna. We're going for it all. Just there leave it go. at that. Um, I think that. Hmm. EU's quite considerably weaker. Can say in terms of the teams are sending towards Worlds. 
I think on on fundamentals and like individual player like wow factor, I would say the European teams are certainly weaker than the Chinese teams. Like China, like Korea is much less my area of expertise. I don't watch that much Korean League of Legends. I will have to soon, but right now I've been mostly focused on the LPL. I would say that LPL fundamentally is much 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 better. But I also think that LPL has had a really long history, and this happens at all international tournaments, of like massively disrespecting the like unique idiosyncrasies of of particular teams, right? Like G2 is going to go there and like people are not going to ban center against them and they're going to win games. Yeah, Um, they do it all the time. Yep. I think Fnatic actually in terms of being like an all-round roster with like potential to compete probably has the best chances of competing against the Asian teams. Um, I think they're pretty solid. Um, They obviously have issues. It's not like they are on like a macro level, I don't think they're insane, but I think for, if you look at the like roster and the individual pieces that they have and the way that they fit together, I think they have a really, really good roster with like players where if you think, can this player compete internationally? The answer for all of them is probably yes. Like on a good patch, the answer is yes, for sure. Um, the only thing that scares me for Fnatic against the LPL, just to throw in a conversation, I don't think Upset and Halifang basically play any of the bot lane matchups as well as the L- their LPL counterparts. Except Gala Ming right now because they have massive champion pool issues. Well, Gala has champion pool issues. I think the other three bot lane cores stack up unbelievably well against Upset and Halasang's current form. And I think that's a lo- quite problematic for Fnatic. I think the, I think the rest... Sorry. I was going to say, I think the problem is as well is, even though it's like become a bit, a bit of a meme as well, like I personally think that Lucian Army is like, you know, fine, but I think it's a bit bait in Western regions because if you do watch the Eastern regions play Lucian Nami, that is not like the Spider-Man meme of pointing at each other. Like those two things are very different. Like LPL Lucian Nami versus EU Lucian Nami, even the teams that say they can play it or can play it, it's like a different beast. I think EU teams have to ban that shit. Like unless you're good, unless you think you can get it through draft on blue or whatever, like first pick it or whatever, I think you have to ban it. So I do think the pool. Nami's gone. Nami's gone for worlds. Well, yeah, Yeah, Nami's gone. So yeah, so well, okay, there you go then. But yeah, as Kira said, I do think that even though it's a weird one where it's like, I feel that EU has a lot of AD carry talent relative to talent in other positions but when it comes to comparing it to the lpl i feel like the bot lanes generally are so far beyond especially in laning and and certain uh like uh, as you see it especially of like disengaging kite comps and long extended fights like i was saying uh, before that i haven't even really noticed the uh damage the overall damage nerf thing that came in that much in eu right like it's had an impact but yeah when you watch lpl it's so fucking obvious you're like oh my god like this is having a really big impact in terms of how fights play out and obviously the meta dictates that a bit as well with zeri being so high prior and these sort of champions you know lucian with a fucking gale force whatever they can kite for days but it is quite telling to me the the golfing class between the bot lanes in LPL and and EU, so I do worry about that a bit. Who's your favorite LPL team, Mac? Mm. And why is it fucking TES and the Night <laughs> Nine agenda? <laughs> uh, I mean, I love the way Tess plays early. Uh, I think Tess is insane early, but I think their their mid game has been really lacking. I have not been a huge JDG fan this split. Um, yep, even though they won. Even though they won, I like I like them, but it, it, like I don't know the way that they play doesn't like speak to me, you know. Yeah. Um, 
I, 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 get, I like I RNG that. and EDG the best. I like RNG and EDG the best for sure. The, I think the, the soldier teams, like yeah. the soldier. Like, that's what they are. They're like a military, like fucking execution hit squad. That's the way they play. That's why I characterize them. I like what for me, like what you said about the like the eighty carries. Uh, like when you look at Viper and you look like a when you watch him play, it's just obvious it's how how fun. Unbelievable. What but Viper B like is. if you look at this guy's stats. If you look at the last three world championships in a row, he is the player that has dealt the most damage in three years at the world championships. Every year. Wait, Viper's been was there with EDG and then he was there with EDG. And then he was there with the Korean team and then he's never been another time. Was it only twice? I think he's only been twice, Paul. But go. I but but that could also be true. Even though I think Viper was shit at Worlds compared to his normal level, he in terms of damage, he was shitting out damage. But I, I know what you're, you're talking about. I can Viper imagine me. Viper does Viper... fucking damage. That's yeah, sure. Viper's um, a fucking, you know. Ah, sorry, I'm mixing up with... So, Viper and Jackie Love, if you average over the last three years, yeah. like those, two, those two have been the most successful in terms of damage dealing. Um, because, yeah, the year that... Yeah, yeah, Tess was there in 2020. Um, yeah. So yeah, those two are pretty scary. Those two are pretty scary for sure. Although Jackie Love is a complete psycho. No, <laughs> like no, he, he giveth and like, taketh away, you know? Yeah, he likes to taketh away from Knight in game five. So that's what he likes to do. Oh, don't. Yeah. That was horrible. Right. Anyway. Okay, before, anyway. Just before we go, let, very quickly, not including Mad Lions, Mac, which EU team goes furthest at Worlds? Uh, oof. I'm honestly not sure if between, between G2 and Fnatic. I will never uh, know until the patch. Yeah, oh, it's really true. patch dependent. If it's super it's bot really, lane heavy, if it's, it's bot really lane heavy meta, then I think Fnatic. If it's not bot lane heavy meta and it's more about moving mid jungle together, then for sure G2. For sure, yeah, G2, 100%. Uh, I think in more, more metas. That, that is the meta. Yeah, I think in more world's metas that have existed, G2 will go further. And if you look at the way some teams will try and force metas and how you can break open other teams, I think G2 against the field are better than. Fanatic. So I would say, I would agree with Mac. Go oh, on, not agree with Mac because he gave a different answer, but I would say, <laughs> I would, on average, it would be too for me. Apologies. There you have it. Anyway, thank you guys for watching and see you next time.